With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 11 o'clock Thursday morning. Welcome back in. It is now the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you here in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Want to jump back into the uh, breaking news of the morning. You guys uh, reporting on this in Gamecock Central a little bit earlier on, and we did have the Board of Trustees meeting at 830 this morning, which officially confirmed that uh, Mike Fury going to be joining South Carolina as its new wide receivers coach, had uh, just previously been the head coach out at Limestone College up there in uh, Gaffney, so a little bit of a local connection there, but replacing James Coley, who again just about a week ago, left and took the same position at um, at the University of Georgia. So this is a name, while maybe not directly connected to Shane Beamer with a prior relationship there, a guy that's obviously familiar with the state, has been a wide receivers coach, but the NFL and the college level before, and uh, somebody that tomorrow we'll hear from Shane Beamer on how exactly this came to be. Yeah, Beamer's going to introduce him Friday 11, right when we would normally be talking, uh, I guess. So we'll, uh, I'm sure, have that, I would think, here on the station as well. And – yeah, I, I think obviously the last couple of days, this is where this was headed. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, not, not that head coaching experience doesn't matter because I think it does. I, I think it gives you a little bit of a big picture standpoint as opposed to just being in your bubble. And I think regardless of the level, when you're a head coach, you have a little bit more, hopefully you have a little bit more appreciation of what it's like to sit in that spot and and have to make a hundred or a thousand different little micro decisions any given day, any given week, any given month, and you know, ho- hopefully that's how you take it as opposed to thinking, oh, I can I can do better. But I, I think anytime you bring in a guy who has that experience, that adds a little bit extra to kind of your your building. But but I am most intrigued by the fact that he played in the league for a number of years was kind of an underdog story as a wide receiver and ended up being uh, actually very, very productive, uh, you know, one of his seasons and then coached in the league as well. And and I think that's something, first of all, if you're coaching a position in the NFL, you you know what you're talking about. Like you're going to know how to coach up that particular position. And I I think that's something that you're going to sell on, on a resume. You can already look, at what South Carolina tweeted from Gamecock football account, sort of hyping up the uh, the NFL experience there. And th- that's something ultimately recruiting is about relationships, but it's about selling resumes and selling what a, frankly, what a coach can do for you. How can a coach develop you? How can a coach get you ready for the next level? So if I'm South Carolina, I am pushing the heck out of the fact that this guy played in the league and coached in the league. And now I, I just I think the head coaching part is a, just maybe an added bonus for me. I told Tyler last hour that I'm I'm fascinated by this hire. Like that's the best word I could come up with. Because remember, Wes, to, to kind of go behind the scenes. I mean, you and I talk all the time. You know, covering a coaching search. Part of our job is, you know, who's going to be the next guy. 
And so, I mean, we even had a, I even published a piece, names that make sense, you know, for the South Carolina coaching job. You can go that route. We also, of course, go the route of who do we actually hear as a candidate where there's mutual interest. I mean, Mike Ferry wasn't on my list of guys that make sense because he wasn't someone that you would immediately say, oh, here's a tie to Shane Beamer or, um, you know, here's some other reason that he may be in the mix. But what we also knew, and you and I talked about this, Shane Beamer operates pretty quietly in his assistant coaching searches, and there's typically going to be a name that you hear that maybe the person gets the job, maybe they don't, but you're typically going to hear a name where you go, wow, oh, okay, didn't have that one on the radar. Like I remember Sterling Lucas when his name came up. I remembered him as a recruit, but didn't know that he was, you know, going to be in the mix for that job. So we hear Fury's name, and you're like, wow, you know, here's a guy that's going to come with, I think people will have questions like this isn't a guy that's a James Coley that's, you know, a 20-year veteran of major schools, right? But he does have a really, I think, unique and very interesting resume in that, as you said, former NFL coach, former NFL player, been a head coach a couple places and improved those programs. Everything points to him being a really good coach. And then, as Shane Beamer alluded to, he's got a pretty cool backstory. And so – I think if you're looking at one of the key parts, which is ultimately in college, man, you got to be a good recruiter to have success. That's going to be a question because he hasn't done it at this level as an assistant for one position. But does he have the ingredients to where you could see him possibly being one? I I do think I can see that. But that'll be something that you have to assess in real time and then see how it goes. Yeah, you you, like anything, I, I think a guy comes in, you give him a clean slate. And then you you wait and see what happens, and you kind of determine from there what your reaction is. Uh, you know, I, I think for South Carolina, they obviously went a much different direction here than they went with the Coley hire. How much of that has to do with the fact that this hire is being made a lot farther along in the off season than like the Coley one was made back in January, where there's a lot of movement. You're making those. Um, you know, kind of hires normally to where now we're literally in the last day of February to where maybe some of the other options that were on the table or on a list of names for when Coley was hired maybe aren't as available anymore this time of the year. Yeah, you know, I and I, and I don't want to speak for Shane Beamer. I don't want to pretend I am. But um, I, I think for one, you naturally just go a little bit. May, maybe when something doesn't work out the way you saw it, you naturally – are inclined to go a little bit in in an opposite direction. And so I think that's part of it. Some of it is that it, it, when Coley was hired, we've talked about this, it's not like South Carolina had a wide receiver's opening per se. It was more, hey, Coley's out there. This guy has a big-time resume. Let, let's go get him. And and as I've said before, I think when when you hire a big-name guy like that, you always run the risk that they're going to leave at some point. You just don't think it's going to be – like a month and a half later, you you think maybe he's going to at least give you a, a year or two. So I, I do think there, some of that probably does come at, at play here, Tyler. You know, but there are other directions they could have gone with guys that were, you know, sitting wide receiver coaches at, at places right now. And um, you know, I I think this is just a situation where Beamer definitely takes an approach where. He's not going to hire a guy based on name alone. And, you know, at, at times, has he been criticized by certain parts of the fan base for that? Yes, he has. But then 
you know what, James Coley, that was a big-name guy as far as the assistant coaching ranks at the SEC level go. So he's gone different directions with these hires based on what he sees fit. And so he obviously, I'm sure tomorrow when he speaks, he's going to tell us that he thinks it's a great fit, I'm sure. He's going to talk about the NFL background. He's going to talk about this being a fiery, high-energy guy. He's probably going to talk about the fact that he wants to be here. I think that's part of it. And you can even see the administration here. I don't know whose idea it was. Again, not speaking for anybody, but I look at facts and then respond to them. There's a $800,000 buyout if Fury were to show up at work tomorrow and say, I'm out of here, guys. So that that speaks volumes to me. Now, it, it goes down. So the way they built this thing in, essentially. Can we call that the Coley Clause? Ooh, that's giving him a lot of credit, but but yeah, probably. So if, if Fury leaves within the first 120 days, he owes the school $850,000. And if you look, if you look at the rest of the contract that they sent out, it's pretty much boilerplate exactly. You know, you look at the incentives. You look at comes with a stipend for a car. It, it's exactly what you would see with any other assistant being hired right now. And then you're like, wait, that's that's not the same. And it was even noted on the BOT meeting, if he leaves within 120 days in the open session part of it, um, if he leaves within 120 days, $850,000 goes to the school. That drops to three hundred fifty thousand at any point after the one twenty days, but still in this year, and then it is two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the rest of the length of the contract. But that's cl- clearly sending a message right there, uh, I think. And and obviously, you know, they got what four fifty out of Coley. Yep, yep. So they paid for the first year of Furry's contract with Coley's buyout, essentially. But you, you kind of, I'm sure, look back and wish that 850 was in there for Coley. But at the same time, the other side of this, you could very easily say now, oh, it should have been a million-dollar buyout or something. That doesn't mean Coley would have agreed to it because you're yeah. fighting other schools right. to hire him in, in the first place. Well, and if, if Georgia truly wanted Coley bad enough, I'm sure they could have ponied up the funds to – pay the 850 or even a million if it was that that high um but yeah this is definitely a, a direct direct reaction to what happened with coley there and uh that should be incentive enough for fury to stick around for a while yeah. i would think I had, I had a georgia fan tell me on twitter when i noted that south carolina would collect the full coley buyout that's that's just that's chump change to georgia so cool that's that's cool no problem just, just, right. just noting. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's chump change, but I'm sure that That's they what this guy said, were the ones that you know. One of your boys, that. Yeah. one of your boys from the Georgia fan base said that, Tyler. <laughs> we're not all lumped in together. Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll give you that. You, don't, you don't want to ever be lumped in with every opinion from your fan base. There, there are some of bad ones any out fan there. base. There are some bad ones. I out think. There. Um, by the way, guys, we got we got Stuart Lake coming up. Yes, we do. We're going to dive into some of the conversation, getting ready for the Palmetto Series coming up this weekend as the Gamecocks get set to play host to Clemson Friday night out at Founders Park, Saturday out at Segras Park, and then the Upstate on Sunday to uh, wrap up the series. So Stuart Lake will join us on the other side, dive into that, and uh, preview the series 
for the Gamecocks. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyrohead, Westminster, and Chris Clark along with you on this Thursday morning. Quick reminder, uh, coming up on Saturday before the game between Clemson and South Carolina, out at Secret Park going to have the Battle of Bull Street Street Party going on out there. You have an opportunity to win some tickets to attend that coming up today on the postgame show from 3 until 6, be tuned in, listening to Jay and Elijah for your chance to win, again, for the Battle of Bull Street Party out at Segra coming up on Saturday. We now head out to Love Chevrolet phone lines. Welcome back in Stuart Lake, uh, who, of course, is on the call for the Gamecock baseball broadcast. Uh, Stuart, first of all, thank you so much for taking a little bit of your time this morning. We last talked to you right before the season started a couple of weeks ago. Now that you've seen a nine-game sample size of the South Carolina team, what stands out the most to you out of what you've seen so far? Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. Um, you know, it's been it's been the biggest thing I think we talked about that day. It's still trying to figure out our pitching staff, but I sure think we're seeing a lot of positive things from them. That, that's been the biggest part to me as I started to kind of crunch the numbers, if you will, yesterday between us and Clemson. Our pitching numbers keep jumping out. I mean, a 2.4, you know, ERA, what we're doing, I feel, out of the bullpen with so many arms is just – it's really been a, a good nine games that's kind of started getting a feel for our pitching staff. Hey, Coaches West, appreciate you doing this again, man. I, I'm curious, yes, as a guy who uh, – you're just an all-around baseball guy. You've seen this rivalry from a fan perspective, now an analyst perspective, from a coach perspective. What does South Carolina – versus Clemson baseball when these two teams square off every year. What does this rivalry mean to you? Well, it means a lot to me. I grew up a Gamecock fan, so I've been kind of hanging on these rivalries since I can never remember. I got to go through it nine times as a coach, and I remember the pressure of that. I was telling just a friend of mine yesterday, when this weekend ends on Sunday, win or lose, you're exhausted. And it's just the stress. There's no stress compared to this weekend until you get to your regionals. So this is what we always, and Coach Tanner was so great at never minimizing this series to our guys. And I thought that was always huge. This means a lot. Don't try to act like it's just another game. Let's treat this like a regional. When the weekend's over, let's evaluate how we handle that pressure and move on from there. But it, it's just a really exciting weekend for a coach. I know the players. It's just a buzz in the air that you haven't had, you know, through nine games. And that's what's exciting about it. I was talking with our last guest, John Blau, who covers Clemson, Stewart, about uh, last hour about kind of the similarities between these two teams and that through the first several games of the season, they both handled business with the exception of one game, right, where they you know, committed errors, just didn't play well, things kind of got away. Uh, but what do you see from this year's Clemson team and your scouting from what you've heard, from what, you're, what you've observed as far as just their overall team identity? Well, you know, honestly, up until probably Wednesday, I had just kept up with Clemson, Clemson through scores. And then you start putting them side by side, and some numbers really jump out. When you start seeing their team batting average, 330, 17 home runs, you compare that back over to Gamecocks offense has been putting up averaging almost double digits, 285 batting average and only 11 home runs. So those two jumped out at me. They're doing very well getting on base at 441, but we're doing unbelievable at 474. And then the run out, the, the runs, which are always crucial, obviously, 84 Gamecock, 69 Clemson. So I think you're going to see a very similar type team. You know, they've got 
Cam Canarello, who's 517 with his 576, and then you go, okay, we can do you a little better. We got Brewer with 519 and 622 on base. So it's really going to be cool to watch these two teams match up this weekend. And talking to Stuart Lake from the Gamecocks Radio Network, you mentioned Clemson's offense so far this season, their top 10 in, in all of college baseball when it comes to those home runs with 17. And looking at South Carolina's pitching, with the exception of that one game against Belmont, been very efficient, help, uh, holding most of their opponents in check. How do you feel like they're going to stack up against a team that can hit for power like Clemson can this weekend? Well, this is one of those cases, and I can say it when I'm not coaching, weather <laughs> might be an issue. Let's see what this weather brings. I'm going to tell you right now, no one likes playing in cold weather. I don't care how tough you want to be, and mentally tough is part of it. But if it's a really cold kind of wet night on Friday night, I think that changes both offenses. But I, I feel like with the South Carolina pitching staff, they do a thing that I enjoy the most. I told you all this before the season started. Matt Williams is so much about let's throw strikes. If we throw strikes, we've got a chance to get them to hit our defense. And if they hit it to our defense, we're feeling right now 968 you got a pretty good chance you're going to avoid those big innings. And that's what they're going to have to do. And that's what Clemson – I know Clemson's sitting looking at Gamecock stats going, they've been walked 86 times, which, by the way, leads the country and hit 18 times. So they're going to be coming in here really trying to eliminate those extra bases as well. Coach, uh, you started off talking about the South Carolina pitching staff. I wanted to ask you about a couple of guys in particular – I think we all, if, you, if you've followed enough baseball, whenever you hear a guy's having a little arm issue going into a year, even the, even when they say, hey, it's going to be a week, it's going to be a couple weeks, you're kind of secretly a, a little bit worried, I, I think, as a fan. But for, for Kimball and then, um, of course, uh, Matthew Becker, man, both those guys I, I feel like have, have just been honestly fantastic, like maybe exceeding expectations so far. What do you think that means for – I would even go as far as to say the ultimate upside of this team this year if those two guys can keep building on what they've done so far this year. No, I think it could be huge. I mean, the great thing about Becker and Kimball was unrelated to the arm. Both are that lat muscle and both have, and really what we've seen, haven't shown any issues with it. And I ate breakfast with, uh, with coaches on Monday, and I said, man, I love Roman on Sunday because he brings energy. Mm-hmm. It is fun to watch a Sunday starter just go out and just look like he's enjoying being out there because there's so many Sunday games that decide the series. And I've, I've really enjoyed what he's brought to the table. And then I'm sure the coaches are still trying to figure out where Matthew Becker is going to fit in. But, boy, when he comes in, <laughs> you love it when he's in. So if that's a starter, if that's your left-handed guy at the bullpen, and then you got Ty Good. We haven't even talked about it yet. I think he's got – probably a pitch in his curveball that's his equalizer as Chris Beach's changeup. So I'm really excited for Gamecock pitching staff of what's starting to develop, not just on the starter side, but out of the bullpen, as you mentioned. Stuart, something else we, we know about this Clemson team is that Cam Canarella, their outstanding outfielder, I think, what, is he hitting about 500 to start the season? Yeah and leading off for them. He, he really seems to be their tone setter. How important, in your opinion, is it going to be to kind of control him and not let him get things started for the Tigers? Well, I think it's, it's really going to be important. I just don't know how well you can control him in a sense. I, 517, that's, that's incredible batting average right now. He's already got 15 hits. The biggest thing with Cam is he's not a true base runner. 
I mean, when you look at the stats, he's really only 0 for 1 right now on the year. And you go back to last year, now he's 24 for 29 last year. But it's just the energy. If you can have him jogging back to the dugout at the start game, the Gamecocks, you've got to feel much better because he is no doubt their spark plug. And it just has led – he's a big reason they're hitting 330 as a team, hitting 517. Uh, Coach, you've had the opportunity to be a part of this rivalry, as you mentioned, for many, many years. Do you have a definitive favorite moment that stands out to you when these two teams have gotten together? Well, I do. I was part of that 2002 coaching staff, and at the time, we didn't have the uh, social media that we do now. We didn't really comprehend what was going on back here when we were in Omaha. And my brother, Stephen, was working for the governor at the time and kept calling me and saying, hey, we're we're giving days off, and it, it's just still a moment in my life. And then coming back, Coach Tanner mentioned it in a staff meeting the other day. We come back here, which is a memory that you hardly ever hear, but we came back to start try after the World Series. We had lost the Texas in the National Championship game. We probably had 2,500 fans meet us here because we had beaten Clemson twice in Omaha. So, 20 years later, it's hard to top that one, and then they did it again in 2010. So that's probably my most moment. But Coach Tanner used to have a cool saying to us when we go to Clemson, let's let them play their song one time at the beginning of the game, and then I don't want to hear it again. So when we knew we got on the bus and hadn't heard that song too many times, we knew we probably had a pretty good day up there. Yeah, Coach, uh, final thing here. What, what is the biggest key for South Carolina to, to not be hearing that song much this weekend? I think it's going to come down to pitching again, as it always does. Throwing strikes. It's going to be a bunch of guys. This is new to them. You know, Roman Kimball, I think, is a special dude. He'll be the guy, if the weather dictates he pitches on Sunday. Now, that's the thing. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow night. They've kind of both said we're going to stay with the same rotation, which would put Roman pitching on Sunday at Clemson. Who knows if you don't get a game in and you just play a two-game series, that could change. But I just think it'll be how can we handle the nerves of pitching for the first time. This will be the first road game for both teams. Both teams have played all their games at home. So just it's going to be to me who can minimize walks, who can minimize those fielding errors, and then who can take advantage of offensive opportunities they get. Well, Coach, uh, hopefully we can dodge the bad weather this weekend. We're talking (laughs) about South Carolina taking the series uh, once again uh, when it's all said and done. Appreciate your time as always, Coach. I enjoy it. Thank you, guys. Again, Stuart Lake from the Gamecocks Radio Network. Come back. uh, The lineup for SEC Media Days just dropping a little bit earlier on. Where did Shane Beamer end up on the schedule? We'll discuss that coming up next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Weston, Chris, along with you. On this Thursday morning, reminding you to once again go to 1075thegame.com and register for your chance to win the Palmetto Citizens Federal Credit Union Grand Slam giveaway. Whenever a Gamecock hitter hits a Grand Slam this season, you can win however much money is in the pot and will continue to go up each game by $25. So again, the Palmetto Citizens Federal Credit Union Grand Slam giveaway. Uh, It's going to be a great weekend for baseball. Weather looking a little bit dodgy, so maybe you don't want to get out and uh, deal with the rain, and maybe you're going to watch the uh, game at home on TV. Hopefully, you have the right setup to do that. If you don't, our friends at Integrated Media can help you out. They can definitely help you out. They've been to my home. They've been to Wes Mitchell's home. They can come out to yours. Whether you need something from an audiovisual standpoint at your home or at your business, they can take care of both of those. 
integratedmediainc.com or give Michael and Nathan their team a call, 803-948-8327. And if you want some examples of their past work, what can they do? I can tell you what they can do. Everything from mounting a TV, cleaning up all the wires around all your audiovisual equipment, to complete smart home solutions, security, cameras, tricking out your man cave. They can do all of it. But check them out on Facebook and Instagram as well, Integrated Media Columbia. You can check out a gallery of some of their past work, 803-948-8327. It's never too early to start looking ahead to SEC Media Days in July. Uh, literally just a couple of minutes ago, we got the official rundown of the order in which we're going to be hearing from coaches when that does roll around in the middle of the summer. Shane Beamer going to be in the leadoff day, uh, being the third coach we hear from between Lane Kiffin and uh, Clark Lee on day number one on July the 15th. Yeah, we got uh, a couple of little releases in the last hour. Um, some news about a former Gamecock women's basketball player coming back to Columbia, and we find out the order of SEC Media Days. Man, that thing will be here before we know it. But first, guys, we got to get through spring practice. So I don't know. It's an interesting note. You've got – so so Beamer goes, Chris, you said after Kiffin? Yeah, there's four coaches speaking the first day, and so it's, it's – who's first, Tyler? Do you it's uh, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. So first day mm. will be Kelly, Kiffin, Beamer. And then Which Clark. accent will he be using this time? <laughs> and then uh, – and then Clark Lee wrapping up the day, I which, which I don't, I don't <laughs> feel like putting Clark Lee last is probably the best decision. I feel like you would probably want to put him in the middle between two more like interesting coaches. That way, you're almost at least forcing people to sit around and listen to what he has to say, and opposed to like, hey, let me beat the traffic a little bit and get out of here early. It's just Clark Lee. Oh, poor guy. Been a rough year for Vandy. Dude, it's just tough there. He said in due time they would be. A- Best program in the country. Well, I don't know how long due time is, but <laughs> they're a long way from it. Yeah, that's tough. Um, Which, as any coach, you're going to say that, right? Like, you're not going to say, whoa, well, we strive to know. be maybe the 10th best team in the SEC. No, every coach is going to say, we're going to be the best team in the country. There's only a handful of ones that you believe it's actually going to happen. Unfortunately, Vanderbilt's not one of those. Hey, it gets people talking about you, too. Like, sure. if any, really, if, if half the other schools say that, Maybe it's not even a headline, but when you say that at Vandy, th- those are some there's some hefty goals, we'll yeah. say. But, uh, I mean, uh, I think uh, that, that's, to your point, Tyler, that's definitely, that's the approach I would want my coach to have, no matter where I'm at. Uh, I mean, you look you look at look at Matt Campbell, look at the Lions, like people were laughing at, at what he was saying when he got hired, and, you know, he he's completely turned that franchise around. Like, that, that's what you want in your leader is a guy who says, don't tell me the odds. I'm here to defy them. Who do we think the player reps will be? Oh, man. Ooh, good question. We'll revisit this, I'm sure, closer to July. <laughs> but Now, would you... He's not taking sellers. I would say, would it's you take early. somebody no. that's a new transfer in that hasn't played no. with your team before? I doubt it. Last year, it was... Remember, Rattler didn't go... Yeah, Rattler didn't go. Going to went year last one. year. Went last yeah. year. Rattler, Kroger, and Tonka Hemingway. Tonka. It's going to be maybe like Boogie. It's going to be see, Boogie. See, I was about to say, Boogie makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I want Hunter Rogers to go. The snapper. It's it, Boogie is as close to a lock as you could get. Yeah, probably so. Um, yeah, I, I could see Debo Williams being. Yeah, it's a good one, too. Got to have somebody from offense. You need an offensive player. Rockets a transfer. 
Mm. Luke Doty. Luke Spin, hadn't he? I don't even remember. What about I don't know. What about like Josh Simon? Would be interesting. Second year guy. Be a good one. Maybe. Talk about hunting and things like that. I don't know. Sure. We'll revisit. Yeah, love, love Josh we're, Simon. We're all in agreement. Boogie Huntley yeah. is is a lock. He's a- going. Absolutely. Uh, Wes mentioned this just a moment ago. This news also coming out within the past hour. At Colonial Life Arena on May the 11th, former South Carolina star Asia Wilson going to bring her Las Vegas Aces into town for a preseason contest to take on the Puerto Rican team. Again, that's uh, coming up on May the 11th. So, again, very cool to see Asia Wilson uh, getting to return to Colonial Life. Yeah, man, we, we talked all week about um... – Big soccer match being in Columbia. Now you've got a WNBA team coming to Columbia. Uh, I, I'm i a huge fan of these sort of outside-the-box um, events, I, I guess you'd say, and, and bringing, bringing them into not just your university, but bringing them into the city. And I, I think it's, it's just yet another of the many, many things that Don Staley has done to continue to kind of grow the women's game here in, in the Midlands and, and throughout the state, really. So I, I think I think it's a cool opportunity for people to get to see a WNBA team. And, I mean, guys, Asia Wilson, like at this point, what else is there for her to even accomplish? Like she's a New York Times best-selling author at this point. Um, been an MVP. Uh, they've won the finals. Obviously she won um, national title here, player of the year here. I mean – it's so cool that she has the, the vision that was presented to her when she signed with South Carolina. She's not only checked off every single box, she's actually amazingly exceeded that. So th- this is just another step. Very, very cool for um, for her and for, for South Carolina women's basketball. And South Carolina basketball in general at this point, guys, with yet another road SEC win last night, South Carolina the best record in college basketball combined men's and women's. Absolutely. So good time for basketball all around. And that cool exhibition coming up again on May the 11th with the Aces and team from Puerto Rico. We're going to come back and wrap up today's edition, talk to our guy Pete Nakos from On3 about all the litany of changes that have happened in the world of college football just over these last couple weeks, including things with the extra signing day and the latest lawsuits going against the NCAA. That's all coming up next right here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on the game.